Welcome to Transmission Accomplished. This is a show about bringing stories together, hosted by two friends from very different walks of life. Each week's podcast features outside-the-box conversations about life, religion, and spirituality. This is a whole new way of thinking in today's world of divided opinions. We don't shy away from topics and conversations because of differing perspectives. We see each person's unique experiences, rough edges, and points of view as a resource for growth, living, and forward motion. Thank you for joining us, and welcome to the conversation. So we have in the studio today with us John McDonald, pastor... Church planter, <laughs> husband, father, and he is the pastor of Restoration Covenant Church in Redlands, and we decided to ha- uh, have him in the studio today because we wanted to talk about this idea of church planning. So I'm going to start off with a start us off here. So John, I know that you are a pastor's kid. Yep, Your dad was a pastor, and that He's still a pastor's kid. I'm still pastor's yeah. kid, just like you are. Yeah, I, as am I. And that you went to a Christian college and seminary, which means you know lots of pastors and probably mm-hmm. know some other other pastors' kids. You're very familiar with the church world. Uh-huh. And what I want to know is why the heck would you start a church? You know, I have to begin by saying that's a question I ask five to seven times a week. Well, I should say five to seven days a week. It is uh, not the easiest career that I've chosen. Um, But the the easy answer is because I I still believe in the church, the church as a gathering of God's people locally to work together to do the work of God in the community. So I'll just play devil's advocate. I'm with you. There's lots of churches. Mm -hmm. I imagine there's lots of churches in the community where you have started your – well, you, it's not – I mean, it's, this is like, what, 10 years, 15? It's been, uh, like, it's been 11. 11. 11 years since uh, – it'll be 11 years of September since we started meeting weekly. And it's a great church. Uh, we Barrett and I have both been there. Right, and, yeah. Oh, yeah. And spoke there. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's great. great. A couple yeah. times. Yeah. 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 So there's lots of churches. Why new one? So uh, – and, and let me just double devil you. <laughs> is uh, there are a few cities with more churches than the Redlands. In fact, I was reading a Rolling Stone article right when I was considering coming to plant a church in Redlands about a murder that happened in Redlands. And one of the things that they said was there are more churches in Redlands per capita than any other city. I think they said in the United States. And I remember reading that and thinking, oh, well, good. That's about to increase by one if, if all goes well. Um, and I, I think, you know, what what I think of when I answer that is 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 really what do we what are we talking about when we're talking about church? Because if we're talking about uh, a, a worship service, uh, there are plenty of worship services in Redlands, and uh, some of them are are quite good. Um, and so we don't need another worship service. Um, if we're talking about buildings, we, you know, there's there's enough seating capacity to cover the the Christians in all of Redlands, uh, and then enough space for for churches to grow. Um, but there is, but if we're talking about a local gathering of people that are united together in Christ for a unique and compelling mission, then there's always room for another one. We don't, you know, we don't need another worship service, but we definitely need 
more 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 Christians who are taking seriously the uh, call that we have to, um, and and I think understanding and articulating a unique identity um, that makes us uh, not redundant in a city full of churches. We're not redundant. We have a different different call, different mission, different temperament, personality, culture, group of people, um, and uh, and so I, I hope we're not redundant. Mm-hmm. Let's see. So is there something about starting a new church and just starting, the fact that you're starting, that enhances that mission or, I mean, because I'm just going to keep kind of coming at this just for fun today. Okay. Well, let me, let me, let me start this way. Let me start this way. I mean, maybe um, – it's a legitimate – because I kind of think it does actually, but – Yeah, but you're just doing your role as a devil's advocate. Yes. It's, it's, it's a real <laughs> way. Um, you embody quite well. Um, you know, I think when you, when you look at um, – Let's just say neutrally that the last two years have been pretty contentious as a country. And as – How many years? We'll, we'll say two. We'll say oh, since I the, would have said ten, but yeah, – Yeah, but I think in particular uh, we are more acutely aware of uh, our, what divides us and that there seems to be this separating mm-hmm. gulf in um, culturally that – driven by politics but obviously goes far deeper than politics. Oh, I like the way you put that. Um, I think we can all agree on, it, on that. We can – yeah. I think, I think one thing I heard – one of my – favorite preachers is Brian Zahn. He said, we need churches to be more political and less partisan. And so putting it in the political sense of our common bonds together that unite us for the common good. Like we need to talk more about that, but we need to be less partisan. So I'm trying to, I'm trying to practice that. Um, so one of the, you know, if you think about some of the key questions that are being asked right now, they are, um, what is good? What constitutes good? What is, what is justice? What is fairness? Uh, what is it that bonds and unites people together. Um, what is it that when, when we are amidst deep conversations about issues of um, immigration uh, and when we're looking at, like in my, in my city, uh, the foster care in the last two years has mm. increased 50%, 4,000 wow. to 6,000 kids in foster care wow. system. And you think, well, what's happening to families? Who's going who's gonna to help that the, the foster care system cannot sustain? And care for all these children, who's going to step in and fill that gap? And so the more, and then you also, uh, in a time where, um, you know, not to beat a dead horse, but uh, social media, uh, that we have all these ways of presenting a shallow, superficial projection of ourselves out into the internet, but do so at the expense of truly being known and part of a true community. Um, all these big, major um, challenges that we face from deciding what is good and motivating people to move towards fairness and justice and equality, uh, to caring for the deep needs in our city and our culture, and of being in places where we are known, we are being true to who we are, and that we are going against the social media culture, we're going against so many things in ways that we are moving more and more away from an awareness of our codependence on each other to form a healthy, fair, good society into more atomized, going into different houses, never really even knowing our neighbors. Um, the church is the answer to all those things. And, and you know, that we want, uh, the, way I, the way I put it a couple weeks ago it's in churches that, you know, we want a kingdom that's fair, but we don't want a king. And when there's no general consensus of who we follow what we're willing to give our life to. Culture, society begins to fracture and fall apart. Mm-hmm. So church is a place where we gather, we, we are known, 
We're honest with each other. We are committed to the common good. All under the auspice of the name of, of and person of Jesus Christ, is which is what unites us and connects us. So the more churches, the more groups that that's their view, um, and the better mm-hmm. a city, stronger city will be. Yeah, I don't know how you felt that, Barrett. I, I'm in agreement. I, <laughs> yeah, that was yeah. long, but I, but I was just, <laughs> I'm just, <laughs> yeah, that was a little winded. But, those, are the, uh, those are the most common things said about my sermons. Oh, okay. those, those long. <laughs> no, no, good. No, no. There's only two minutes. Oh, I, just, I guess it just felt long. <laughs> yeah, right. So time's up, and uh, hey, John, hey, thanks for coming in. Thanks uh, for coming in. We're out of space on our uh, hosting site now. No, for uh, hijacking uh, our podcast. Yeah. And welcome to the John Show, John <laughs> McDonald. I, uh, I actually am curious. Because you brought up foster care, mm-hmm. and I'm just curious about at a, at a different even core. How is it from four? I mean, maybe this is totally off topic, but four thousand to six thousand. What is causing? What was the cause of the two thousand extra kids in Redlands? <sighs> yeah, well, it's not just Redlands; it's San Bruno County. So okay. it's, our, it's our county, and and so that means that, that means that two thousand kids' parents are out of the picture. That means essentially that means two thousand more p- kids have been, um, in most cases. I mean, it's parents are removed in jail. from the household. Right. So parents kids, are in jail. Parents, in jail. Abusive. parents have addiction. Parents right, right. not able to provide a, a safe house, according to the county. Uh, you know, probably the, the number one cause, I, I, I would guess, and talking to a couple of social workers, is the opioid crisis. And mm-hmm. so the number of, of lives, human lives, um, not just those who are addicted um, to heroin or uh, to other opioids, but the children who are in the, in the wake of parents who aren't able to parent and care for them. Right. Probably the biggest single cause, uh, addiction of some form. Um, I don't know that there, there's any other that's quite as large and pervasive other than just, you know, a city like San Bernardino's uh, isn't getting better. Mm-hmm. Um, so taking off my devil's advocate hat, oh. I, I seems like to me, I mean, more churches, the better, right? Right. I mean, why not? It's a good, it's a good, healthy thing for a society, a city, a town. So going back to the church, starting a church. Mm-hmm. My perspective is that it seems like churches to me, not always, but um, more often than not, seems to have a, nor- a, a natural life cycle. Mm-hmm. Like birth to at some point, I've been to enough churches where I think, you know, they should probably just wrap it up here. <laughs> <laughs> you know, it's, I'm sure they had a great time, you know, uh-huh. and, and start anew somehow. A, an intentional kind of closing and intentional, re- like just kind of that. Um, so I, I don't know. That's kind of my I'm just maybe sharing my view on. It just seems like there's a there's a time and a place to yeah. to start something new. I'd actually like to hear where you were, what you were thinking when you decided, yes, I'm going to do this crazy thing. Yeah. So first, what you said is is true of all the churches Paul planted. So even Paul planted churches that had a life cycle of beginning, middle, and end. Um, so for me, I after graduating, I went to brush up for two years with InterVarsity. And then came back and went to seminary intending to be a, a church planner in the former Soviet Union somewhere, uh, Kazakhstan, Russia. Cool. Um, yes, <laughs> super cool. Uh, it was at a time when the church in America was in a transition. And there's particularly – there's a lot of data coming back saying most kids in youth groups aren't going to maintain an adult faith. Right. I've heard that. And so I – um, so there's all this, you know, that's when we're talking about the emerging church or the emergent church, post-modernity and all that other stuff that's pretty dated now. But the, what they were noticing was real, that there is something in church culture, church institutions, where the faith <clears throat> was not being properly passed down from one generation to the next. So that's where it started, was at, in seminary, 
practicing my faith in a in a local church context where the main worship services were were far removed from the lives of teenagers and and mm-hmm. um, and a burden for my age and younger and then as I planted uh, one of the one of the things that I noticed that really led me to, to plant a church is that uh, most say plant just to be clear you mean start start church yeah plant we mean start, start you yeah know, as we talk about. Yeah, right same way you know you start a tree by planting planting yeah um, but I you know most churches because we're in churches in America default position is to treat potential churchgoers as consumers and so you you market to them as consumers you tell them we have all these ministries to meet your needs you're special here uh, special ways to to welcome and greet newcomers and give them a coffee in their hand and put them down in a seat that looks like it was designed for a movie theater um, and then after they've come suddenly say oh by the way we're missional oh by the way take up your cross and follow jesus um classic can you, bait and switch can you define missional for yeah our, for our audience the, the two so, people that yeah so you can't three there's three there's three yeah there's three. Oh, congratulations on the thank the you listener. yeah we just um the you can't treat people as a consumer and say we exist to meet your needs and then say oh by the way you exist to meet the world the needs of the world you exist mm-hmm. to serve uh, you exist to live a christ-like life of sacrifice um, at times sacrifice even unto death that doesn't fit into consumeristic mindset and so when we started the, the church I wanted to make the the mission of our church, which is our church's mission statement, is following Jesus as a family for the good of the world. And we exist for the good of our neighborhood, for the world. We exist in order that people may know the name of Jesus, that people in foster care may have parents that say, we will t- take you into our home, um, so that those in the homeless population have advocates and advocacy, that we... One, I wanted to start a church that was beginning, middle, and end was all the mission to serve in our communities and around the world, because um, I think that's what Christians ought to be ought to be known for. Mm-hmm. So we are working against a model, and, and sometimes you know, and I think that's what in your devil, devil's advocate voice. I think that's what I hear you pushing against: is do we just do we need another place to sit on a Sunday and listen mm-hmm. to another sermon and, yeah. and hear some different music? And, and my answer to that is no, we don't. We got plenty of those churches. Plenty of those. Yeah. But do we need another church of people that are are united together, committed to each other, to serve the community in the name of Jesus Christ? Well, we can never have enough of those. Mm-hmm. Doesn't that meet somebody's need though? I mean, I mean, I'm not trying to take it. Does it does that worship time and that that music? And there are people out there who actually that does meet a need for some people and for us to say that's oh that's kind of like almost I mean we go to church and uh I hear that all the time. Like people are saying, Oh this, 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 blah 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 and then they say, Okay, no, give to the church so we can grow our, our, our body or building and then it's oh by the way we have these things we're gonna now we're gonna like the complete shift and they go more to service projects and stuff. But I don't know. It feels like we're people are different phases. Yeah. Kind of. I think if we are different phases. I don't know yeah. if just because I have no problem with that, something like that. Some people just are um, maybe not confident enough in that. So is there, is there a way to, like, kind of train people or are churches doing that? That could be something that maybe we're not we're missing. Yeah, I'm sure there are plenty of churches doing it, and, and some even better than me, I suspect. But I, but this is this is what maybe what I'm trying to say to, to answer your question, is when you, when you center your service around meeting the felt need so that a person 
walks away saying, I enjoyed that worship service. Mm -hmm. What you're saying is everything is fundamentally about you and your experience here. If you reverse that and say to be fully human, to fully bear and reflect God's image, the the best way is the hard way, which is serving, which is being known in community, which is not evaluating a church service on how it met your needs, but evaluating on how you were able to be present to the needs of other people. Ultimately, that is more satisfying. It, ultimately, it's it's what discipleship is, is, which is forming Christ inside us that we might understand that life is not about having places where my needs are met, mm-hmm. but having places where I am meeting the needs of the world in ways that I'm called and gifted to do. And then finding along the way um, that, oh, by the way, I'm, I'm happier than I've ever been. I've experienced more joy and peace than I've ever been, even though in a lot of ways it counterintuitively looks more difficult because of my my resources are given sacrificially to this organization. My time is spent in soup kitchens or with mm-hmm. foster youth and, and these other places. And so the question I would ask is, what is it that truly meets human needs that makes people joyful and happy? And then if you can order your church around that, um, I would, then I would say then, then you're at least helping, peop- helping it be more, more likely. And for some, coming and having a worship experience and hearing teaching, um, that's – that's great. That's a great starting point. Yeah. Um, but it should lead people uh, in discipleship to becoming more sacrificial and self-giving. By discipleship, you mean? Oh yeah. All my colloquial Christianese teaching guiding. Uh, that is a good. No. I actually am kind of curious, but yeah, you know, I think it's all the all the ways that we are intentionally inviting in the life of Christ, and so I think. Whenever you are moving towards becoming a more loving, generous, kind person, whenever, um, you know, I think most people, if you ask them, what is your plan to becoming a more full, complete, holistic human being? Mm-hmm. They don't have an answer. And we think that just by existing in the world that we can be formed and shaped into people um, that are that are more joyful. And, and I'm, I'm trying to... You know, I ultimately is more Christ-like, but I'm 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 trying to talk about the fruit of being Christ-like, which is joy, peace, contentment, mm-hmm. less less driven by the needs of of getting approval from certain people, less driven by success or status or sexual fulfillment. It's a freedom from those things towards um, the classic virtues. So how do you and how do you spread the word? Because I so I've. I've been a part of various service organizations. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> Give a shout out to Kiwanis. Yes. Rotary. No. Rotary. It's just, it was just the double. Whoop, whoop. No. Well, oh. <laughs> no. We're drinking to that. Hey, cheers. So, it was so, but people will come to a service club meeting because they will see you out in the community doing a service project and they'll maybe even they'll join up and they'll volunteer and they'll say, hey, I like this. I want to do more of this. And you say, oh, by the way, we meet once a week mm-hmm. versus, hey, we have this meeting. Everybody come, and, and then we're going to try to be a service thing. And I'm not saying this is the same thing as a church, but there are some similarities where people find meaning through giving and serving and sacrifice. It's, 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 satis- it's, it's satisfying. Mm-hmm. So how do you spread the word? Because if, you're not, if it's not about getting people into a, a room, it's about serving. That's a great question. It's a question our church is answering right now. We are in a in a process in, implemented by our denomination. In case you're wondering, John, a denomination is a larger body of 
governing body of a group of a particular kind of churches united together in a common history. And uh, and when we were looking through what is our greatest growth area, the number one consensus pick was evangelism, sharing sharing the good news. And we have a, uh, so many people that are burnt out evangelicals that are coming to our church that the idea of sharing the gospel, sharing the faith, we just don't have a positive model that's replaced the old um, God loves you and you're a horrible sinner and mm-hmm. pray this prayer or face the tor- eternal torment. Um, you know, God loves you and really doesn't want to torture you for all eternity, right. but but he has every right to do so and he just might do that too unless you pray this magic prayer. Sometimes it works. But yeah, no, it, it's a great starting place. You know, I, that's, you know, I, <laughs> I, I'm third generation. I'm sorry, I thought you meant like the, the threat was a great starting place. Well, you mean, yeah. I mean, <laughs> saying. I would argue coming in, if you come into the kingdom of God out of fear and self-preservation, it's really hard to get fear and self-preservation out of your faith and that it's always going to be marked by right. fear of punishment and a desire to interact with God in ways that please, save yourself yeah. rather than self-sacrificial love. So um, I think for us, the, the most effective way has been um, something that Bridges is very good at. It's getting to know your neighbor, having them over for dinner, and understanding that the simple act of inviting somebody into your home, showing a genuine interest in them, creating a great meal and a positive experience together, keeping your phone in your pocket, and having genuine human interaction really pops in our in our time, that there's not enough space for that. Seems to me like the natural inclination of organizations, any organization, if it's a church, a company, a nonprofit, is it starts out all looking out. Mm-hmm. You know, I had a friend who started a small business and he talks about the early days where he would go door to door. and the, But over time, it became more like looking inward. Yep. And so it just seems like the natural inclination of any organization mm-hmm. to become self self-preservation and to mm-hmm. stop doing risky things, uncomfortable things. And so I'm kind of leading with this question, but I mean, is there ways that churches are uniquely equipped to not cave to that? Cause I know churches do. Churches definitely do, but um, some don't. And, uh, you know, I think you're right. Uh, most churches start with an ideal. Mm-hmm. They are, the, f- the goal and the focus is we need to become a place where we are a viable entity. And then once they get there, once churches get there, and I know this from my experience, then it's like, okay, now what? Mm-hmm. And then that's when you, it's easy to turn inward and, and inward focused. Um, so I think that's, that's why it's so important to remember. Let me put it this way. This is what I've been thinking about. Um, I'm thinking about the difference between a means and an end. And so if you think about is let's 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 pick racial reconciliation. Is that a means or an end? And the Christian should say the end is the kingdom of God. And because we live in a time where there's not racial equality, and because racial equality is true in the kingdom of God, then pursuing acts of justice is how we work together to bring the kingdom of God to earth. So as long as you are, um, do you want me to find kingdom of God? It's about, it actually uh, might be helpful. Yeah, be it might, it might yeah. be really good. Um, you know, when when you read the Gospels, um, you see Jesus talking more about than anything else about the kingdom of God, more than even talking about love, uh, more than talking about sin, hell, any, any other topic you could think of, he talked about the kingdom of God. 
And what he meant by that was the reign and rule of God so that his favor, his justice, his love, his mercy was known on earth. And so to work for the kingdom of God is to make things that are true in heaven also true on earth. And that means, as, as Paul described, that all the dividing walls of human hostility are broken down and destroyed so that we can know each other, be known by each other, um, just as we are loved and known by God. And so when, when the kingdom of God is always front and center, then all the other acts of justice, mercy, compassion, evangelism, everything becomes a means to, um, to, to that greater end. So as long as, hopefully, theoretically, I, I don't know, I'm sure at some point restoration will come to an end too, and I'll, you know, I, I don't know what will bring that to reality. Um, but as long as you're pursuing what, what God wants you to, what God would have us pursue, pursue and that the church is not an end of itself, but it means to something else. It should be okay. Mm. So it's, yeah, something to be maybe held. When it's become lightly. institutionalized, that means the church is the end. Right. And the means is getting people to come to this institution. But when your church is about something else that's bigger and larger than itself, and, it, and coming and participating and, and tithing and all, all, that your, all that church of all it means is feeding some other vision. Mm-hmm. That's good. How do you avoid becoming calcified and stuck? And because I mean, let's let's be. I mean, we we know we've been around churches a long mm-hmm. time. How do you keep from your church from going there? In some ways, it, it's similar to asking, "How do you keep your marriage healthy?" and and how do you avoid divorce? And how do you create communication lines open? Um, so I think the, the things that come immediately to mind is is um, a pastor who is committed to his or her own health and welfare so that I'm not up there preaching something that I don't fundamentally believe mm-hmm. or I'm preaching something that is inconsistent with how I live my life or lead my, lead my church. So I think leadership really is important and leadership with, with integrity um, top to bottom, both, both morally, theologically, uh, matters, and then then that leads to leaders who develop other leaders who similarly are are very serious about um, not. Um, can we cuss in your podcast? Mm-hmm. Please not BSing. It's <laughs> <laughs> all right. That's the closest I can come to. We're going to have to put, put the explicit. Yeah, yeah. The explicit yeah. sign oh, is going Lost our clean man. Our clean oh, rank. I apologize, yeah. but and sometimes strong thoughts require. We're on a language. streak too. <laughs> um, that that it's it's a leaders leaders that are multiplying health amongst their mm-hmm. community. Um, I think, um, and then again, you know, the mission is everything. You know, what are we about here? Are we just about having this nice church that we all like? Well, there's lots of those churches. Um, are we about a unique and compelling mission that that God's called us? To? I mean, I think one of the haunting questions that I've heard a lot of people ask about churches is, if your church disappeared, would anybody even notice? You know, is it just this internal club? where the people who participate in it would miss, oh, I like that church. Or does your community suffer because of it? Because that's you're a high so... bar, though. I mean, for a community to, to feel your presence, I mean, that's... But somebody ought to know you're there. I don't I think, think so. I think if, you, if you're talking about, if, let's say you're talking about foster care. You've said it multiple right. times. I'm, I'm assuming that you probably have some involvement somewhere. Some yep. of your people do. It's mm-hmm. kind of a theme. You, you live, the, so, you walk, and you, walk the talk. You have right. three, yeah, three right. kids adopted right. from the foster care Exactly. System. So it's one of those things where it's like, okay, so we're walking this. We have a presence 
uh, you're in a community of people who are doing the same thing, and you would be noticed well, if there would be something that would be, hey, what? Let me put it this way. I'm not, I, I'm you'll, not you'll, saying your church well. I'm just saying that's a high bar. Let me and put it this way. Yeah. If, if you as a church can't justify your presence in a community and make it better, then stop taking tax breaks. Because the purpose of being a nonprofit that gets tax breaks is because it's presumed that you are making our neighborhoods better. So if you're not committed to doing that, then you should at least pay your taxes. Yeah. Because <laughs> you're only well, better I mean, yourself. Depends on how a person defines making your community better. If it's citizens who have a nice place to go once a week, you know, versus somebody who's actually investing into the community and by involvement, and which sounds like that's kind of what you're talking yeah. about. Yeah. Yeah. I, I am. I am. So what are you doing as a church and as a leader to look outward mm-hmm. more? How are you how are you like teaching or discipling? Obviously you have a you have a vision or mission that you you something that God's put on your heart mm-hmm. and you're seeing that there's a need in the church as a fun as a fundamental kind of thing. How are you teaching or discipling your your body to go out? Yeah, and that's a, that's a good question and and it's it's hard. What does not, that look like for you guys? Yeah, yeah, I think I think we're 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 developing systems uh, in place to really do that. We, at the beginning of our church, our marquee ministry was that we had six families in San Bernardino, seven families in San Bernardino, where th- three groups of us would go out and deliver food that were all HIV positive. And so we worked with a social worker that would that was serving in this 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 community that was willing to have these families. You know, asking them, would would you mind if a church brought you families, and, and they only only brought you some some food, and um, you know, with the uh, cocktails and medicines they were on, proteins are really important to to catalyze it. That's why rich people who have HIV positive um, can live really long because they have access yeah. to really healthy and good foods. Um, so we we that that began our 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 church was uh, deliver a food delivery ministry, and then um, that we lost contact with this social worker um, through a number of um, things I'll tell you about off air. Um, and then uh, the, the clients died. And so we're like, well, what are we, well, you know, what's next for us? And and what we've been led to as a church is is, is youth, foster youth in particular. Um, there's an organization called Youth Hope in town that works with, not with their, most of them aren't foster youth, but all of them are underparented and kind of on the street uh, most of the day. And, um, and so we as a community have said what we care most about is at-risk youth and foster youth. And so that, that leads to partnerships with uh, local group homes. That leads to Care Portal, which is an organization that, that stands in between churches and social workers, so the social workers to present needs, local churches to fill those needs and deliver bunk beds uh, mm-hmm. so that um, social workers that are helping parents keep their children and reunify them but this family can't meet some of the physical needs. That's where the church stands in the gap. So we're um, when you say youth, what are the ranges? I mean, what age, ages uh, from what a, to what? It, yeah, anyone, anyone from um, from one infant, to eighteen, infant to yeah, okay. eighteen, and, and youth hope serves up to twenty five, twenty six years old. Hmm. You're definitely going against the grain with your with the focuses of your your church. Yeah, yeah, we are, we are. I think so many people are used to churches that. And and even the question of of finding a church is it just it sounds a lot like people preferring um, one brand of clothing over another or something. Mm-hmm. It's 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 consumer driven. Finding worship service that suits their needs. Um, so we're really going against uh, against the grain there. Mm-hmm. 
sounds like it's kind of a journey too because you can't you can't have a a blueprint for all how you're going to engage your community because i mean you, you can i've seen churches and organizations do all these kind of studies about demographics and mm-hmm. but man it's like until you just <clears throat> step out and start doing one thing one thing will lead to another and your community is going to define your mission mm-hmm. yep and not just the community of your churches and the community of people that are going to your church and asking i mean yeah. there's yeah. that's that's what you know if you just start with I'm a pastor and I'm very passionate about this one thing and nobody else is passionate about it, then you're not, then what you have to do is first make people passionate about it. But if you first start with, what does my church really care about? Mm. They really care about immigration. Okay. Well, this, this uh, university up the street has a large population of students that are immigrants and they, they don't have anywhere to go on Thanksgiving. They don't, they don't have anywhere to go. Uh, They can't go home for Christmas. They don't know the city. Um, And then that way you're taking an existing passion as a pastor, you're connected to the needs of the community and, and, and the resources, and you're helping connect those two together rather than trying to dictate to people what they should care about and then telling them to do something. Hmm. I wonder if making the assumption that things aren't happening or good things aren't already happening mm-hmm. in a community. Like sometimes I wonder if we feel like we're, we're bringing something in versus something good is already happening here. Mm-hmm. How can we be a part of it and – and be blessed to be a part of it. Yep, I completely agree. I mean, I think we all long for meaning and significance. We all uh, want to to help and be helpful. And um, we don't, that's, that's why I was realized was I don't have to generate excitement over caring for fostering. It's already there. People love kids. People's hearts are, are broken. Mm-hmm. I mean, we, um, I've heard, half dozen people from my church talk about the the audio clip that surfaced from the the kids at the border have been separated from their parents and just how devastating it was and to say well we there are kids in our own backyard that need need help that are separated from their parents that uh, parents that want to keep their kids but are this the state is going to intervene and separate them because they don't they're not meeting um, the physical needs of the kids we can do something about that locally we can help locally um, so let's take that passion and let's 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 take that helplessness feeling that you have, and let's do something proactive about that. And let's let's presume and trust that God's the one who has placed on you um, the desire to to help. That He hears the the, the cries and par- and the and the prayers of a child um, crying out to be known and seen and helped and cared for and loved and fed. Uh, and that the church is, is the primary way in which God meets the needs and prayers of those who cry out to him. So what would you say to somebody who's considering planting a church <laughs> today? <laughs> who's... <laughs> so loaded. No, I'm serious. I mean, no, I know, but it's just I, like... You know, I, I, so when no. I went to graduate school one time, mm-hmm. I, had a, I had a professor agree to write... One time you went, mm-hmm. yeah. Once upon a time, one of you. Once, Once upon a time, yeah. That professor agreed, and it's in. I got a degree in a in a field I'm not necessarily working in, but he agreed to write me a recommendation as long as I promised not to go to work in that field. And I thought he was joking. But he was actually very serious. So, <laughs> well, you've got a couple degrees in fields that you're not working. That's in, right, as as I recall. Thank you very much. Um, you know, I think one of, one of the questions, and I know John, you and I have talked about this before, is is uh, form and function. Like, does 
does the form of the church have to be a Sunday morning gathering where that's familiar to us of a couple worship songs, a sermon, mm-hmm. um, you know, an offering, a couple other worship songs. And I, I still very much believe in, in the, the value of gathering weekly and the value of, of being a part of something that at least has the traditional look and feel of a church. But then the thought of, but there is a segment of people in our own neighborhoods that would never go to and be a part of something like that. Does church have to look like that? Could church look like a, a backyard barbecue with with study and deep community? And and um, does it have to take the form, or can we find something that functions in the way of gathering, uniting, sharing deeply, being known, being open to others, and being gen- and being committed to something larger than I really like that, and that was really interesting to me. But be part of something larger of saying we are the purpose for our gathering is because we have a. a, a uh, desire to see our, our neighborhood stronger and better. So I would say um, whatever form you see the church taking, if you feel called to start something, I'm a denominational guy. I believe that that is a great route. I'm glad I did it. Yeah, I know Bridges and what you guys are part of doesn't necessarily always look traditional, but it has the same desire, the same values, and I'd say that those trump I shouldn't use that word on this on this podcast. <laughs> that those take a priority over any other um, any other form that it might take, and to to discern to start um, with connections you have, pull them. What, what would church look like for you? What what context would you be willing to commit to coming to talk about issues of ultimate significance, um, and not just ultimate significance as if spirituality is something that is separate from real life, but understanding that spirituality is, is all of life and all that we are. Um, and then to, to see perhaps where, where God would lead. Um, so I'd say, you know, whether you're like me, part of a denomination, get a, sal- a salary from a church, been ordained by a denomination, or whether it's more like uh, somebody who has an, another full-time job um, that, that he sees as, or she sees as, as, as allowing him or her to do what they're really called to do, which is start something in their neighborhood and see where it leads. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it seems like it's taking different, all different shapes mm-hmm. and forms these days. And if it's meeting needs and people are blessed by it, then what can you say? I don't know if this is too, if this is a depressing thing to say, but I, okay. I wonder <laughs> what, like, what's what's real church you know it's it's and i wonder if there's places in the world where people who are under intense suffering and persecution they probably really know what church is Mm -hmm. you know um the experience of it and and the value Um, yeah you know know, one of the things to people that say church is dead religion is dead as i say well that's a very white and privileged perspective on what's happening because where the church is actually growing is in areas where there is oppression and mm. poverty and mm. um, you know China is there's more Christians in China than any other, other country and it's illegal there um, there's the um, in areas of poverty in South America um, churches is, is, is growing like like uh, the charismatic church movement in particular is growing like wild it feels like churches in America are declining but the church the Christ, democratic Christians in America is increasing because of immigrant and churches of, of, of color. And so I, I would say that you're right, that it's our, our privilege 
that can blind us from our need for God, which is another reason to mm. be part of a church community that is really seeking to hear the voices on the other side of power, because um, I think we can learn a lot from them. Yeah, mm. it's a good thing to have need mm-hmm. in your life. We need to have need. We need to have need. We need to have need. Yeah. <laughs> if we're going to close it out, you're a pastor. Where are you a pastor? Just I'm so pastor can... in Redlands. My church is called Restoration Covenant Church. The covenant is the name of our denomination, the Evangelical Covenant Church. I was ordained, so I'm Reverend John Oh, McDonald. Reverend John McDonald. Yeah. Wow. Well, That's got to go in the bio. I was ordained well, on, sun, on, sun, on Saturday night. Just this, it's just a celebration. Got back, just got back from Minneapolis on Sunday. Cheers. Whoa. So. Cheers. You guys have a website or anything that you uh, can lead us to? Yeah, sure. Go? You can find me at restoration-church.com uh, or you can just type restoration redlands into, red, into Google and you'll find us and the just podcast. Just for our, our three guests yeah, so listening, that, that, you know, they, um, if they're out in Redlands, which is yeah, so, not too far away. Oh, yeah, the, the six of you listening to the podcast yeah. right now. Well, um, there's three, but then you'll bring the three, three. Well, maybe some will well, in that case, because of you. Right. Hi, Beth, and hi... Uh, <laughs> I'm just kidding. Hi, I'm sure your wife listens to Hi, your John's podcast mom. as much as my wife listens to my podcast, which is not even one single time. So if you're listening right now, Lindsay, prove me wrong. Yeah. Well, thanks for coming. Yeah. In. Married five kids, uh, yeah. three yeah. adopted to the. Just, just uh, say the, the word. Just say the word that, that she has to prove that she listened to it. It's what is the word? Yeah. <laughs> shamrock. Shamrock. There you go. You now just, she can give you Lindsay that. Say to me, Shamrock. Did you listen to my listen. podcast? Yeah, I did. What was the code Sh- word? Shamrock. <laughs> All right, well, John. Thank you for coming in. Hey, I appreciate it. <laughs> Good to be at your world headquarters. <laughs>